You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Uh, my name's Van Ferguson, and this is my wife, Anna. Uh, we have a ministry called New Identity here in Chattanooga and Saudi Daisy in particular, but we also are on the campus at Chattanooga State. We um, just want to share a little bit with you about our ministry and about some things that are happening because for us it's uh, really, really exciting. Uh, I worked with Campus Crusade for several years uh, a while back, but even during that time we had a house ministry. Uh, we had a lot of college students. We started meeting at our house on Wednesday nights, 13 14 years ago now, who would have known where it would go? Uh, But we started meeting at our house, and one thing led to another, and we moved to Sunday nights, and then um, quickly it continued to grow, and we would see kids from just all over, from Dalton, Georgia, Spring City that was coming to our house, and it just always amazed me at the numbers and where they were coming from, but the problem, I knew the problem, there were no college ministries, I mean anywhere. There's just no one that works with, with that um, age group. And so about over four years ago now, we actually decided, I left Campus Crusade, and we decided we're going to try something here in Saudi Daisy. And so I started talking to a lot of different pastors, including our own, and uh, about trying to do something locally in our community. And around that time, this church allowed us to start using the house over here, and uh, man, from day one, I mean from day one, it was full. Uh, So quickly we tore out a couple of walls and added some space, and it still wasn't enough, and now if you walk into that house, there's not a wall in there except for the bathroom and the kitchen, and um, and so, but college students just continued to come, and even right now, I mean, we have students every week from College Dale, from um, from Athens, Jasper. From Jasper, from South Pittsburgh. I mean, we've got kids from just everywhere that, that come and participate in this for the same reason. There's just not any college ministries out there aside from campuses, college campuses like UTC. And so uh, we tried meeting at Ivy Academy for a while, and that just just didn't feel right. So we quickly uh, came back to the uh, back to the college house. But this past summer, I was in Mexico. Uh, we were on a mission trip with some students from here and other churches around the surrounding area. And uh, while we were there, I got a text that, um, unfortunately, uh, but South Saudi Baptist Church was going to be closing their doors, and they had turned the property over to the Hampton County Association. And then I needed to reach out to them. And so uh, we did. And I got back in town and Tommy and myself and Alan Stewart at Recoboth Baptist along with the uh, director for the Hamilton County Baptist Association. We met together for lunch one day and one thing led to another and uh, back at the end of August, beginning of September, they actually gave us the old South Saudi campus, all of the two buildings and a house there for our ministry. And uh, truly, truly a blessing but nothing's free. And, uh, and so a lot of renovation, a lot of stuff that we've, we're starting to do there, uh, particularly in the uh, fellowship hall, just a lot, a lot of stuff, old buildings and a lot of things that we've got to do. You know, I was even thinking 
this morning how God doesn't necessarily always work this way. I want to move, but stuck. Um, God doesn't always uh, work this way, but this year was kind of unique. Uh, normally, in my at least in my experience, you take God seems to be leading me in a certain direction, and I take off down that path, and He starts providing. But this year it was kind of neat because back in, in January, we had uh, someone give us a gift, a financial gift that was for us huge. And, and I thought, man, this has just made it a lot easier for this year. I'm not going to have to worry about anything for 2019. And uh, little did I know that um, God was already preparing the way and uh, providing, And so we do have the finances, particularly for our, our fellowship hall, to be able to just go ahead and get started with it. But just would ask that you would continue to pray for us, because I promise you the, the support that I've raised so far is not enough for our family and our ministry, along with the upkeep and utilities and mowing the grass for two buildings and an additional house uh, that we've been given now. And so we definitely need God to uh, provide and uh, here, but uh, we're thankful, thankful for this church, thankful for all that you've done for us through the years. This is a huge, huge uh, part of our ministry, and we hope that God uses this in a powerful way um, here in Saudi Daisy. I mean, this is, it's so unique. We're not going anywhere. We'll still be here uh, Sundays. It's still our church, uh, while at the same time, there won't be lots of cars sitting out here in the grass on Sunday nights anymore after probably after the first of the year we just pray that you would just ask that you would pray for us it's been pretty neat alan stewart reached out to me the other day and said that uh on bonnie oaks drive oakwood baptist the pastor there has been talking to him about how does this work like i've got some churches on this side of the river we could possibly do something like this with as well something uh you know because it's it's just so unique so different yet so so needed and so just ask that you would continue uh, to pray for us in the in the upcoming year. Did I miss anything? No, just pray that. I mean, we pray that this building can not just be used for us, but that you know that the Lord will provide it for you know many things in this area. So we don't even know. I don't even think that the Lord's revealed to us what He's doing with the whole entire campus yet. We do know that the the fellowship hall is for the you know we're planning that for the students, but. I did remind Van, um, because it's overwhelming. You're excited, but then you're like, oh, we've got this building, oh, yay. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, we've got this stuff to do. And it's a little overwhelming. So we've been really paying attention. And I asked Van one day, I was like, you better start journaling because God's about to blow our minds. And he has already. He is already. And it is so exciting. But, you know, much is expected with much is given. So I don't know what he has in store for that. But we're excited. We're praying that our ministry continues to grow. Um, you know, it's not about numbers to us. But it is about discipleship to us. It's not just about, it is about, you know, pushing them out and making them be solid believers who are going to go reach, you know, reach the world for Christ. So just continue to pray for us. Pray for our family and just uh, that not only we can stand strong as a, you know, as a couple, but that we can continue to lead our boys um, in the way that, you know, they should go. So that's my biggest prayer request. And we've had several volunteers already, yes. people that are helping from this church and from other churches and volunteering their time. So we're very much thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs>
So it is very exciting to see how God is blessing in uh, that ministry. And ten years ago, if you had asked, is it possible to get a lot of churches around here to come together and work together? Oh, we're good friends and everything, but we, we probably couldn't have done that. But see how God is using this ministry now and blessing in such a big way is very exciting. Hey, listen, uh, let me just say thank you for being here this morning. We're so glad that you are. In your bulletin, you'll find a study guide that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, so if you want to take it out, you can look at it and you can just be amazed at how little it has to do with what we're going to study. Uh, there is a place for you to take notes, and so I would encourage that if you want to grab it out of your bulletin, grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and uh, we'll get into this discussion. I was reading this past week, just to set the stage of why we're changing directions, I was reading this past week. And I'm not sure if it was in my emails or if it was on Facebook or if it was, I was just reading through several blogs or whatever. But I came across a sentence. And the sentence was this. And this, in fact, is the title of our study if you want to write it down. You used to be Saul. You used to be Saul. S-A-U-L. I know my southern draw butchers that word. But you used to be Saul. And uh, in that moment, I closed down whatever it was I was in. I can't remember. I have no clue if it was in a spiritual context that that was written or if it was in a secular context. I have no clue what it was about. All I saw was that sentence, you used to be Saul. And my mind started working. My thoughts started rolling 100 miles an hour. I opened up my notes on my iPad and I started writing uh, down some thoughts. I thought at some point this is going to come in handy. Well, yesterday evening as I was preparing for this morning, uh, God kept bringing those thoughts back to my mind as if to say, hey, this isn't for later. This is for now. So just get with the program. It takes me a little while to catch on sometimes, but God just is very persistent with me to help me understand Hey, this is my desire. You get with the program. And so finally, I yielded to that, and uh, I started looking at these notes again. And I'm quite thankful that I did, because this is really a very exciting thought. You used to be Saul. Now, in my mind, this relates to the Apostle Paul. You say, Saul, Paul, where are you getting your letters mixed up or what? The truth is that uh, Saul was a very religious person. He was a very stringent Pharisee. He was of the strictest sect of the Pharisees. And, and then all of a sudden, God did something in his life and then changed his name as if to say, you are a new person. Now think about what was going on with him. Uh, the Bible tells us that Saul was so strict that if you didn't think like he did, if you didn't act like he did, if you didn't believe as he did, man, he got in your face or a whole lot worse. And in fact, Stephen found out what a whole lot worse was all about. The Bible says that Saul consented or allowed those that were around him, his associates, to put Stephen to death, to stone him to death. Because he didn't believe as they did. And so Stephen died as a martyr. The Bible also tells us that Saul began to build his courage. Began to, to grow in his, his assertion that 
Christians should die, that he should stamp out the name of Christ. And so he got permission from the religious leaders to go to a nearby city of Damascus to, to put into chains those who called on the name of Christ, to drag them back to Jerusalem where they would stand before the chief priests. And some of them would be executed, some of them would be imprisoned, some of them would be tortured. And it was all because Saul was a religious man. The Bible talks about this. How Saul was on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul was on his way. He was, he was of one mind that here's what I intend to do when I get there. And Jesus Christ confronted him. In a very big way. The Bible says that a bright light shone from heaven and Jesus Christ was standing there. And Paul saw the Savior. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Now that in itself is a strange comment. Who are you, Lord? He is a religious man. He is one who, who follows very closely to the letter of the law, and yet he did not know the Messiah when he saw him. And in that moment, Jesus Christ changed the life of Saul, literally transformed his life to become something that he wasn't before. He was led by the hands into Damascus because he had been blinded by the light. Finally, a guy three days later named Barnabas had been told by God to go and put his hands on Saul and pray for him. He went and prayed for him and scales fell out of Saul's eyes and he could see again. He met with the apostles for a short time and then in verse 20 of Acts chapter 9, the Bible says immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. What a drastic change. He used to be this guy who persecuted and put believers to death. And now he is preaching that same person, Jesus Christ. But then the Bible tells us in verse 21 something really interesting. It says, Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. And I saw three things in this particular thought. Number one is that Saul had a past. Man, this guy had a past. Now he calls himself a Christian. He claims to be a Christian. He lives out being a Christian. But he had a past. And his past was notorious. His past was horrible. Can you imagine being one who put Christians to death? Can you imagine being one who left children without parents? Can you imagine having that on your conscience? And so as he begins to preach Jesus Christ to the people, there are those who were standing by the wayside saying, Oh, wait a minute. I know who you are. I know what you used to do. Who are you trying to fool? You used to be Saul. And as I thought about it, it came to me that, you know what? Saul's not the only one with the past. Number two, we have a past as well. 
Now, you may have a very light past. You may have been one of those people who grew up in church and you stayed faithful to God throughout your teenage years. And, and so your past is rather light, and yet there's still a past there. We're all sinners. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all have a past. Others of us may have a more, a, a more blatant interference with, with the work of God in our past. We may have a very blatant deviation and rebellion against God in our past. And, and it's easy for us to hear people standing by the side, by the side saying, Hey, you call yourself a Christian, but I know what you used to be. I know you used to be a drunk. I know you used to be a drug addict. I know you used to be an adulterer. I know you used to be a murderer. I know you used to be a prisoner. I know you used to be, and you fill in the blank of whatever fits you here. And then they say, just who are you trying to fool with this God stuff? And as I thought about that, it came to my mind that the truth is that for a lot of us, we allow that to affect us. For a lot of us, we allow that to slow us, to stop us, to prevent us from moving forward. To prevent us from being what God wants us to be because we're so tied to the past. We're so restricted. We're so bound by what we used to be. Which brought me to the third thought. And that is that it's time we stop living in the past. I've done a lot of things in my life for which I'm not proud. But I can tell you this, that on the day that Jesus Christ... Brought, brought me salvation through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. When God forgave my sin, when God adopted me into his family as if I deserved to be there. And in that moment, what I used to be passed away. That God made me a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. God instilled within me His Spirit. He gave me life out of something that was dead. And while I'm not what I used to be, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. But thank God as I look back, I realize God has matured and grown me beyond where I was. And it's time for all of us to come to the same understanding that we are not owned by those who realize what our past is. We are not owned by the things we used to do in our lives. We are owned by the one who bought and paid for us with the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, that means that when we gave our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. The shame and the guilt and the sin of our past was taken and was nailed to the cross. And so we can live bound by it if we want to. But it's not because God is holding it in front of us.
Because the Bible says that it's forgotten. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. The two will never come together again. We will not be reminded of our sin when we get to heaven. That's not part of the judgment. It has been forgiven and it has been removed. Yes, there will be some stains that still list, that still exist, rather. There will be some pains and some leftover uh, con- uh, uh, circumstances that follow our sinfulness. But the sin has been forgiven and it's time we start living in the victory that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. It's time we stop living in the past. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you got a past? Is it something that has been holding you down, has been guilting you, has been tearing you up? Is it something that others have been using against you? Is it something that the enemy has been using against you? It's time to let it go. We learn from our past. We grow beyond our past so that we can be what God wants us to be in the present and the future. Are you living in the past? Today's the day to let it go.